This week on Not Sam Wrestling, we preview what next week is going to be, and that is one of the biggest weeks in the history of professional wrestling. We have Hornswoggle on the show talking about both his professional and personal journey that he goes through in his book. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, baby, here we go. Welcome. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Let me tell you something. Scoops Roberts was on fire this week. You know, I go on the internet, and I talked about it last week. Some wrestling reporters I've realized are real reporters. I like uh, Wade Keller, obviously. Dave Meltzer is good. And that uh, Sean Ross Sapp character. Hell of a guy. Seems like a legit reporter, too. Seems like he's not just out there for the clicks, as it were. But let me tell you something. There are a lot of reporters that it doesn't take much to get credit. It doesn't take much to be an insider, and I'm telling you something, I have decided part of my role on Not Sam Wrestling is to be a hack wrestling journalist. I am the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, hack wrestling journalist, AKA Scoops Roberts. And let me tell you something about Scoops Roberts. Scoops Roberts had scoops all over TV. Instead of just saying, here's what I think is going to happen, or just having conversations and interviews with people and like saying like, oh, you know, maybe what they meant by this is that. I'm just going to start saying, here's, here's what people are saying on the inside. Here's my inside source. So guess what? You saw on Raw this week, Baron Corbin came out with a new crown. Guess what? You heard that exclusive first on Not Sam Wrestling. I might need some kind of Scoops Roberts sounder just so I get my journalistic credit. Remember? Baron Corbin was doing the interview with me and he was like, uh, that he and his wife were like, oh, the crown doesn't look good on my head. Scoops Roberts, baby, broke the story weeks ago. I told you he was getting a new crown and he got a new crown. How about this one? Even before, before the Baron Corbin interview, when R-Truth and Carmella were on the podcast, go back to that podcast. And what did I say to R-Truth? Hey, Truth, how do you know that Carmella is not going to surprise you, and she's going to beat you for the 24-7 title. Ding, ding, ding. Scoops Roberts for the win. The last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, hack wrestling journalist, gives you another one. Reported here first before anybody. Carmella to win 24-7 championship, and she did on Raw, just like I reported she would from my inside sources here on Not Sam Wrestling. How about this one? Any of you people who are on Patreon slash Not Sam Wrestling, any of you Not Sam Shills that are on the Not Sam Wrestling Patreon page, you heard immediately after Hell in a Cell, immediately, I mean, not Hell in a Cell, immediately after Clash of Champions, immediately, I came on here and I said, here's what's going to happen at Hell in a Cell. Nothing had been announced yet. Nothing. We kind of knew it was going to be The Fiend versus Seth Rollins. Scoops Roberts can't take credit for that one. But here's what Scoops Roberts can take credit for. First of all, I was the first to announce immediately after Clash of Champions. I said, you see Sasha Banks and uh, Becky Lynch go all over the building? 
they're going to need to be confined to a steel cage, maybe with a roof on it at Hell in a Cell. They're going to have a rematch in a Hell in a Cell, I think. Edit the tape before I said I think. Leave it as a declarative statement. Boom, reported on Not Sam Wrestling. First, Scoops Roberts gets another one. And on that same show, 15 minutes removed from Clash of Champions, I said that I bet they're going to do, that's Luke Harper returned, and I said, I bet they're going to do Luke Harper and Eric Rowan versus Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. Cut off the I'll bet part. Make it a declarative statement. Your boy, Scoops Roberts, got another one. Last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, hack wrestling journalist. I got it right. I reported here weeks ago. First, from my inside sources, some of which are made up in my head. I reported here that it would be Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. And I got another one, baby. I got another one. I mean, WWE should be really worried about me. Because I am exposing everything. I am a hack wrestling journalist. The number one hack wrestling journalist, Scoops Roberts, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. I got all the scoops. And you bet there's going to be more to come. Especially since Not Sam Wrestling is going to two days a week. Oh, the scoops we're going to have. Scoops on scoops. We're going to be like 31 flavors over here. It's going to be incredible. Yes, with the uh, content that is pouring out of uh, WWE and AEW and Impact Wrestling. It all starts next week. It all starts on Monday. We got Monday Night Raw season premiere. We got NXT for the first time two hours live on USA Network next week. We've got AEW Dynamite premiering on TNT live next week. We've got SmackDown two hours live premiering on Fox. Not Fox Sports. Fox 5 in New York. Check local listings. But Fox all premiering next week. It's going to be an insane week. So, here's the plan going forward. Next week, we start to a week, baby. We can do more content too, WWE. It's not just you. Next week, Not Sam Wrestling moves to twice a week. So, Monday, we're going to have an interview and we'll discuss what's to come in the week. Now, most Mondays, because technically this coming Monday, we won't have a Friday to talk about. So, that won't work this week. But theoretically, uh, Monday after next, for example, the podcast would be an interview, and then we would talk about what happened at Hell in a Cell, what happened on the premiere of SmackDown, um, and what's to come this week. It's going to be a, 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 a preview week. But we'll also have our traditional interview as well on every Monday, and that comes out first thing as soon as you wake up Monday morning, you're going to see a new Not Sam Wrestling podcast every week. So technically... The next podcast, if this is episode 257, I think, 258 will come out on Monday. You don't have to wait a week for that. Thursday afternoon, not morning, afternoon, we're going to have a second podcast. That's right. Every Thursday, a second podcast comes out. And that's no guest. We're just going over what happened on Raw, what happened on AEW, what happened on NXT. So that's every Thursday afternoon. I'll probably record that on Thursday morning. Of course, as always, you guys that are on Patreon will have first access to everything as soon as I'm done recording it. I'll uh, upload it to Patreon first. And uh, as I'm recording it, as long as I'm in the Not Sam studio, uh, I will still record everything live and allow you guys on Patreon to watch along with me as I do it live. So that's what the plan is going forward. Now, uh, this week, 
We have a great interview with Hornswoggle, and it was a bit of a lengthy one. Hornswoggle just came out with a book. It's called Life is Short and So Am I, My Life Inside, Outside, and Under the Wrestling Ring. And I'll tell you, like, you know, I think Hornswoggle's had a really interesting career. Um, I still think it's underrated by most people because there's so many highlights. You know, he was in so many not only entertaining segments, but memorable segments and so many segments that really push story forward. Um, but he's definitely, I think, the most impactful little person in the history of WWE. I can't think of any other person that would even be in the conversation with him. Um, but I, what I didn't realize going in was how much I would love the book that I would want to read it cover to cover. That he goes over, he grew up very, very difficult uh, you know, and I, he's a great person. So it's not, and he's not even complaining about it in his book. He's just, he's telling his story. You know, he was born, his parents found out he was going to be a dwarf. There's no dwarfism in either of their blood. It was just one of these things that just kind of happened in either of their ancestries, just one of these things that just kind of happened. His parents ended up getting divorced when he was young. His mother, not the greatest mother in the world, you know, a lot of neglect, some alcohol use, some, you know, being out in the dating scene and whatnot. Luckily, he had a really good dad. Ends up in his dad's custody. When he was nine, I want to say, his brother killed himself, committed suicide, and his brother was only 16 at the time, so he has to deal with that as a nine-year-old. Uh, I mean, and it seemed like wrestling was really his escape. Wrestling was what made him happy. And he turned that into his life. And he kind of goes into that. And he talks about all the highs and all the great times he had in WWE. But he also talks about how tough it got at times. He talks about how tough it got to have to sit at home. He talks about, you know, how tough it got. Uh, you know, he, he talks in detail about getting the call and finding out that he was officially released. And it's not bitter. And it's not like, you know, F them. They didn't get me anyway. It's just like it kind of goes through his emotions, which I think is a great thing and a helpful thing to any of us that have, you know, feelings, <laughs> that have trouble expressing those feelings. It's nice to see, you know, you don't want anything bad to happen to people, but but you do like to see somebody who's gotten past a lot of that stuff share it with people so that people know that it's not just them. And that's what uh, Swa Young Swoggle is doing in this new book. Um, now, the conversation got lengthy because there was a lot to cover. So what we'll do is we're going to air the first half of the interview on today's show and the second half, the final half, we will air on Monday. So you only have to wait a couple days before the next podcast comes out, but uh, Monday's podcast will have part two of the Hornswoggle interview. Today, we start with part one. He's known as Swoggle on the Indies. He was known as Hornswoggle in WWE. And by the way, there is a hilarious for there are forwards from Kurt Hawkins and Kofi Kingston in this book. Kofi's forward. Hawkins is great, but Kofi's forward is hilarious because it's just embarrassing stories from on the road. It's just so great. The book is great. My guest this week, part one of my conversation, Swaggle, Hornswoggle, Dylan Postel. Let's go. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. So here on Not Sam Wrestling, you might know him as... Uh, Hornswoggle or Swoggle or Little Bastard or Dylan or Big Nick or Doodoo -doo Dylan or I don't I, it could be a lot of different things. Ladies and gentlemen, Swoggle's back. What's going on, Dylan? I, I had a feeling we'd include uh, the Doodoo -doo, Doo -doo Dylan 
I, I, I had a feeling that was going to be included. That's there. how you know if I've really read the book or not, right? Like, there's no <laughs> reference to Doodoo Deal, and you're like, you didn't even. It's on like page three. You didn't even open the book, that's, man. That's uh, that, or you're just a fan of the the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, which I know you aren't. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's it's. I learned about I learned about doodoo hands, your 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 doodoo hands doo-doo on the and chocolate, right? But yeah. then Doodoo Dylan came in in Kofi's forward in the book. How crazy is that, man? Like, I have the WWE champion. <laughs> That's a dude. The forward <laughs> in my book. Like, I was, it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 the coolest thing to me is them two, they're just my best friends. And I, I, was, I was asked, um, you know, the publishing company came to me and, and the literary agency ECW Press came to me and they said, who who do you want to do the forwards? I said, Kofi and Hawkins. And they said, yeah, I mean, you, sh- I mean, could you think anybody else said no? I don't <laughs> want anyone else. Those those are my guys. Those are the guys I want to do it. And uh, and also, I don't want to see them until it comes out. And they kept sending them to me to get approved. And I would just say, no, they're approved. It's done. <laughs> it's done. Like, we're all good. And uh, they go, well, well, we'd like you to read them over. I said, no, I don't want to. I want to see it when it comes out. I, I literally stuck by that. It's so cool. I mean, both forwards are great because Hawkins, obviously, you know, I've known you know you guys as best friends for probably as long as I've known either of you guys. Uh, and, you know, the forward is so nice and everything. He was also the guy that was not only one of, if not your best friend when you were in WWE, but he was the guy that was there for you when you left WWE. He was the guy that brought you on the indies and like immediately got you started and everything. And it just, that story is so nice. But the, the Kofi forward to me really made me smile because as I'm reading it, I go, number one, this is perfect because you're getting such a look into the ball busting world of real friends and also, this is the WWE champion. But it's not like, hey, I got the WWE champion to write my forward. It's the guy who is like my buddy, who we, we busted balls for years, and he's got the stories to prove it. Oh, yeah, he happens to be the WWE champion now. Uh, man, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, the, the timing sure worked out pretty well for me, you know, in some crazy way. Uh, but again, it's just... I mean, like you said, people know my, my friendship with Hawkins, and I, I think a lot of people know my friendship with Kofi, too. Um, but for them to... And that's like... I think it's very unlike them to do, to write something like this, to, you know, something kind of serious. And, yeah. and But yet, put their own spin on it as only they would do for, you know, about me. Um, I, I And I also love that the forward... So I, I, I read the forward literally when I got the advanced copy in my hand. Mm-hmm. And I took a copy of it. I went I went off to the side and I read it. And I texted both of them. I said, you know, pardon my language. I said, thanks, dicks. I'm smiling <laughs> ear to ear, yet my eyes are welled up. Um, but it, it, Kofi's forward literally kicks the book off so well. Yeah. In uh, just a fun and... Like it, it, it brings everything that I talk about in the book 
in his forward. And it just it's it's such it's it was perfect. It was, and I, I I am forever indebted to those two guys for those. Yeah, I mean, so the book is called Life is Short, and so am I. My life inside, outside, and under the wrestling ring. And it's everywhere. I saw you posting photos of seeing it in Barnes & Noble, which had to be a trip. But, like, when I started reading it, I was like, okay, I figure I kind of skim it, get the general idea, talk to you, get some stories out of you, bada-bing, bada-boom, you know, we're good. I didn't realize kind of the emotional roller coaster, <laughs> both personally and professionally, but like as a reader, you go on, you know, you start. And again, I'm thinking because I have to read books all the time to interview people. And I'm thinking like, OK, we'll kind of skim through the childhood stories and get to the wrestling stuff. But like from the beginning, like like the, the childhood stuff is so like real and raw, especially the family stuff that yeah. that I go on that ride with you. And I'm like, holy shit. Like we started like, oh, this is fun. We're talking about wrestling figures. And then it goes like, yeah, but this is what growing up <laughs> Dylan was actually I like. Uh, and I didn't I, really think about that. Like I didn't think about, yeah, we kind of started fun and then we, uh, yeah, no, we, I, I'm literally like when you're talking about getting your first Hasbro figures, right? I'm uh, sitting there going, I remember when I got my first Hasbro figures and then you start going into like, Oh, then my mom sucks and my brother <laughs> died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, when you're, well, I'm going like, okay, so they got divorced, like, that sucks, this would just be, oh my god, and the mom wasn't there, and oh my god, there was alcohol, and oh my god, the, his, his, his brother committed suicide when you're nine years old, and I go, no wonder you're pursuing your childhood dreams, your childhood got all messed up. The whole time, and I never, like, thought, like, hey, I can't do this. It was always, a, uh, always, a uh, no, I have to. I have to do this because this is all I want to do. Yeah, and then, and then you start getting into your dad, and and I think part of it is because I'm a dad. Yeah. And when you start talking about like what a good dad you had, and like, yep. and you start giving all these examples, I start welling up because I'm going like, oh my god, it's so important to have a good father. Look at, yeah. I mean, it, it made you because you're a good person. I feel like it made you. Your dad laid the foundation for you being who you are. Yeah. Like, and that's the funny thing. My dad's just my dad, and I love him so much uh, because, like, I've done three or four interviews now that I've said, man, I just want to meet your dad and, like, hang out with him. <laughs> He's really cool. Yeah. And all my buddies back home, they're like, like, when I run my shows here, they're like, is your dad going to be at this one? Or, hey, like, is your dad coming to this or this? Because they want to hang out with my dad. Yeah. And it, just because he he is the I talk about it he's the most frugal person, but he makes it like a joke, uh -huh. dude. Like when we were kids, he collected Marlboro Miles when they did the the and like Camel Bucks right. when they did those. Um but he never smoked. <laughs> so he would have me and my and my two brothers jump literally he'd see one on the street. And we'd get out of the car to pick it up to collect them for, like, <laughs> lug bags, duffel bags, and CD players. And we all had Discmans from Marlboro when we were, like, 12 years old. And nobody in the family smoked anyway. Even the adult didn't smoke. No one. No one. <laughs> and it was – but that was, like, it just – my dad, he – I'm so happy that 
the book sheds such an awesome light on him and how I feel about him. Yeah. It's that made me happy. Sorry, guys. Got to take a second to let you know this is the last chance that you're going to get two free weeks from Monday.com. You got to take advantage of this opportunity. It's free. You can see how Monday.com can save you crazy amounts of time at work. A lot of people say time is money. If that's not the case for you, don't use Monday.com. If, if, if you've got billable hours, for example, don't use Monday.com. If you want to convince your boss that you're doing a lot, but realistically you're doing a very, very little bit, don't use Monday.com. But if you're like me and you need to get the most out of not only yourself, but all of your people in the time that you have, Monday.com is the productivity tool that you need. Whether you have a company with 10,000 people across the world or whether you have a company that's you and Hot Dog sitting on your couch in your basement studio, Monday.com is going to take care of everything. As I said, time is money. Monday.com is not only free, but it saves you time. So you're saving money all over the place, thanks to Monday.com. This thing is easy and flexible to set up, and like I said, the Monday.com people know how incredible this tool is, and that's why they're willing to let you try it for free. You're going to be able to find everything you need. You're going to be able to figure out who's doing what, how far along they are. Whatever you need it for, the Monday.com people are going to make it work for you. You're going to be addicted to being able to customize your workflows and remove miscommunications from your workday forever. So go right now to monday.com slash not Sam. They're going to give you a free 14-day trial, and this offer is only good for another month. So don't wait on this and continue wasting time at work. Go to monday.com slash not Sam for a free 14-day trial and make sure you use that exact URL because if you're using my URL, monday.com slash not Sam, there's going to be additional savings should you choose to sign up. Monday.com slash not Sam. Back to Swaggle. So like when you go into the stories uh, about your mom and how, you know, she really, there's a lot of emotional uh abuse i would say it read like emotional abuse to me in terms of like her using guilt as a weapon um you know her not being there for you when you needed her you know forgetting you at school putting you you know down low on the list of priorities when she's dating when she's drinking when all this stuff is happening as an adult now that you've you know experienced everything that you've experienced you've got your own family do you find yourself kind of understanding that your mom was just your mom and not ready for all this? Or do you still take it like personally and gone, no, you should have been my mom. I needed a mom. Uh, you know, my my dad remarried um, to Dorothy, my stepmom technically, but she's my mom. Right. I sure a happy Mother's Day every Mother's Day. I, I write her, you know, the, j, j, I, she's mom. I call her mom. My son calls her grandma. Or nana, and and that's what she is to me because she raised me. She truly, truly raised me. The book I like talking about her and my brother. Um, I was just talking to someone today. A buddy of mine came over, and, and I, I said, I think it was like closure, almost mm -hmm. like the final kind of. All right, I'm over it, and I truly am. Like I, 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 I think I say it. I. I it's really weird. I don't know if I would go to my mom's funeral if she passed away. So she's just a person. 
Like she exists, she's a person, but you're just not connected to her anymore. Yeah, I, I, I if I saw her at Target, I don't know. I know, I know for sure I wouldn't say hello. I know for sure I wouldn't. She's literally a person. But in yeah, because in in small town Oshkosh, that's pretty hard <laughs> to do too. Yeah, yeah, especially when there's not that many like super famous little people that are walking around Oshkosh. You're probably easy to find. A very yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not like I'm not going to talk to her because I'm mad at her. It's just you're just done. It's just, you, you. I'm over it. Yeah, over it. She since you know it's been 25 years, right? And, and in all this time, I've grown as a person, uh, not physically. <laughs> Comedy nailed it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've grown as a person and as a human and I have a life and she hasn't been wanted to be part of it or and hasn't been part of it so why have her part of it now yeah and like you said you've got Dorothy in your life so your kid's got a grandma on your side you're you're good yeah he's a she's awesome and, and she picked me up from the airport today perfect that's yeah. it I mean yeah that's awesome already otherwise you would have been <laughs> otherwise you would have been Sitting on the curb at the airport, crying, hoping somebody noticed you, right? Uh, just, yeah, just, just not being able to tie my shoes. <laughs> poor, poor little kid, Hornswoggle. It's just, uh, and then, and then the other emotional roller coaster that you take us on, right? Is we get to. I think that you do such a great job of going through your ten-year career in WWE, the highs and the lows, and you don't like make anybody out to be a bad guy. You don't. You just talk about your stories and you talk about how they made you feel you talk about all the good things and the highs that you went on and the amazing stuff you know every amazing angle that i'm sure we'll we'll talk about in our conversation today and 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 everything that people remember but i mean i really thought you did such a good job because it was so like heartbreaking to hear of like the kind of slow process of you realizing this is done. It's a matter of time. Like going through your last WrestleMania, you're just not uh, a priority one, anymore. Yeah, the, the one that you were not at. The, yeah, the the last WrestleMania you yeah, were employed that, for. That, that one. You, that one. That really hurt me. Yeah. Like, that really emotionally took. I think that was, to be honest, I think that was my final give up. Um, to not be invited to WrestleMania, and then when I ask to go. Um, to work access, to do all this, to still not be, not feel wanted. Um, That, that, I think that was the final kind of, and it was never an F you to me by any means. Right. Um, But that was a, you're the, you know, you weren't even picked last in dodgeball. You weren't picked at all. Right. We're like, no, we're done picking. And you're just standing there. You're sitting there. You can ref if you want, but do it at home. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, you know, the fact that you had to, like, call and ask, hey, can I go to WrestleMania? You're already swallowing your pride to have and I, to yeah, ask. And it, I felt like such a shithead doing that. <laughs> I, like, just awful. Yeah. Um, it, You're like, hey, it's me, uh, Dylan. I was uh, Vince's son at one point. I was thinking, you guys are paying me. Maybe I could go to WrestleMania? Maybe? What do you think? All I, all literally, the only thing I wanted to do was bring Landon so he could see a WrestleMania. Right, like that was, 
and I, I, I was talking to Kofi and Hawkins yesterday and I said, like, they both just finished the book and, uh, we were talking about it and I, I said, guys, I, I, I think I finally did a non bitter wrestling book. Like, I think that that's exactly right. Cause that's what I was trying. Like, it doesn't come across as bitter at all. It's just like you, t- I mean, you just feel you're hurt. And, I'm and, a real dude. I'm yeah. a real, and I, yes. I, what I, in all reality, what do I have to be bitter about? They gave, I should have never made it. Right. I should have never made it. Uh, I somehow made it, and I made it for two weeks under 10 years. When they told me it was could be a six-month run, it, crazy. 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 And, and I have nothing to be bitter about. The drug test thing, the drug test thing is the only thing that, that I was really kind of negative about. And it was because I, again, I was hurt. I was hurt by how it was handled. Right. Right. Um, and it, it's, it's, but, uh, the, I almost said they handled it the way they should have, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I, you know, put in that position, I don't know if I would handle it a different way. I just, I, I feel like how they handled it, how it was worded. I should say, was poor. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, I mean, I think that you're also smart enough to understand that, like, at the end of the day, you are just a performer, a single person in this giant machine, and the machine has to keep moving, and sometimes you don't know why or how or where or when. It's kind of just like, okay, this is this is my time. And like you said, I think that the overall theme of the book, like, I only brought that up because it really struck me as like, you're right. I mean, to bring it up that it didn't come across as bitter. It came across as like, I mean, even talking about, you know, how it felt to be at home towards the end, like just just the feeling of not being used. You know, I don't think that a lot of fans really get that it. you don't f- feel like you're just, oh, cool. I'm at home and I'm still getting paid. That's cool. Like, it's not cool. It's like the no, worst thing not, in the world. And it, it gets it gets uh, at times it gets depressing and it gets uh, Hey, fans never see it as, you know, it's it's uh, Drew McIntyre should be used and be world champion and should be this, that, and the other thing. It's not, why is Heath Slater at home? Right. It, you know, it's never, it's never this guy should be, Heath Slater should be used on television or, hey, just on house shows or it's never that. It's, it's, it's this guy. Damn it. He should be world champion. Right. No, I, I didn't want to be world champion. I just wanted to be a part of the team. Right. Like literally, tag me in. Let me let me step up to bat again. Yeah, I got so, I got stuff to give. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, you know, I I I, I love all the stories throughout, and some of them we've talked about before, and some of them we haven't. Uh, basically, chronicling your whole career. I think that something that you bring to the table that I don't know if any other performer understands on the level that you've understand it. Cause like I talked to uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che uh, this past WrestleMania yeah. and they were talking about being under the ring. Cause they did a spot in the WrestleMania <laughs> battle Royal. Yeah. yeah. They did a spot under the ring and there was a camera under there and everything. So like, I was like, guys, like, like, so you, was that like set up? Was it just a camera shot? And they were like, no, Oh my God. It was so Scary. We were under the ring because they were under the WrestleMania ring while the Battle Royal is happening. And 
they had gotten under the ring to kind of practice it beforehand, but there had been a battle royal happening while they'd been practicing. And they were like, oh my God, when you're under that ring and you're trying to figure out like what's going on and what your cue might be, and there's a battle royal happening six inches above your head and the wood's coming down and the match just slamming and slamming. And you're going, oh my God. Like, and I, I think of you. Because you had uh, so many. I mean, an entire career of you're yeah. the guy under the ring. And when you're a kid, by the way, like when I'm a kid, I'm going. Like, and, and when I say kid, I mean, probably teenager. When you start to really when you've really figured out wrestling, when you know exactly. everything there is to know. You yeah. have 12 years old and you know everything. Right. Like, yeah. I, like my son at nine with daily life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You figured it out. Like I knew at 12 that there was a tunnel in every arena. <laughs> All arenas had tunnels that led from backstage to under the ring where the trap door is. Yeah. And that, you know, clearly two and a half minutes or so, give or take, before somebody comes out from under the ring, they just go in the tunnel and they get under the ring and they get in like, position. And I, you know, we know how this works. What am I, a, a, a mark? I know how this works. It's like the, tu the tunnels at Disney World. Except, except every arena in the world has them. Every one. <laughs> and, and like people are just like hanging out under there playing cards and just, you know. Yeah. So how long did it take you to get used to life under the ring? Because those that don't understand what we're getting at here, like, if you're if you're gonna be revealed in the last segment of a show, yeah. odds are that before doors open, you're yeah. scurrying under the ring, you're posting up, and you're hanging until your spot. Whether it's in the first match or the last match, you have found your position for the evening. Man, I, I think that the I, I don't know when it like was like normal. I right. think it was pretty normal pretty quick because that's all I did. <laughs> it's not like I came from the back and then like three weeks in, they're like, hey, now you're going to go into the ring and just be under there. Right. Used to it. No, I, I, it was my role from day one. Awesome. And I was, I feel like I never got a chance to just sit back and go, hey, this is really cool. Like even while you were under the ring, you weren't kind of just like looking going like, this is awesome. I loved it. I, I loved it because I could hear on the headsets, I could hear the producing of the show. And it was so cool. Wow. To get, like, because I would have always have the monitor and always have the headset. So I could hear the producing of the show while watching the show. And it was so, like, the countdowns in and out of commercial breaks, uh, replay cues. It, it, was, it was, man, it was so awesome for me. So you're learning how to produce a show under the ring. Yeah. That's so cool. I, it was it was the coolest, the coolest, and God damn it, that camera sucked. Come on. <laughs> and but I mean, you know, it goes beyond like, oh, this isn't just some crazy old man yelling. You're like, oh, I get what he's doing. I understand what he's trying to accomplish here. We always hear about the crazy mind and how how Vince is just a perfectionist. Yeah. And him and Kevin done both. Uh -huh. Both such perfectionists in what they want for the show. It, it's, it's insane, but it was so cool to listen to. So that was really the part that you enjoyed about it. Loved it. I didn't, I didn't hate any part of being under the ring. Like it, it was so easy for me. They gave me a, for the TV and at TV days, I had a pad under there. House shows, I would 
just bring a you know just put my gear underneath and I would sleep. I could literally fall asleep on house shows <laughs> and pyro and the opening video would wake me up. <laughs> yeah, it was it was I got I got pretty used to it pretty quick and it was and it was fun. Did you ever See, did you ever miss what? any cues under there? Maybe one cuz I was sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I talk about it in the book. There's one in uh I don't know, I forget where we were, but it was a six-man tag. It mm-hmm. was fit it was Finley Kali and Big Daddy V against Batista, Kane, and Undertaker. And I may have not gotten a lot of sleep the night before on tour. Sure. Uh, that's what I'm blaming it on. <laughs> just sleep deprivation. Just, just sleep deprivation. Sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, I fell asleep. I went out. I was, I was under the ring before the show. And I fell asleep mm-hmm. under the ring. And I wake up to Finley with the apron held up, going, <laughs> let's go, let's go, what are you doing? <laughs> he, the way he described it mm-hmm. was, I lifted the curtain and saw you face down in the floor <laughs> and thought you were dead. He goes, because you, because I could see... I could, like, after a while, I had this weird thing where I could hear the match and I could exa- know exactly where people are in the match. Uh-huh. For this whole loop of Benoit and MVP, I knew exactly what was going on above me in the match because of just the sound. And it was it's crazy. But then I knew my spot was coming up when in the, uh, the six-man and Fit would hit the floor and I would see the bottoms of his boots and here we go. And he knew, like, if I didn't come out right away, something was up. <laughs> And so he knew something was up. He goes, I thought you were dead. And then I I remember coming out going, I'm so sorry, Fit. I'm so sorry. And then realizing I have to get in the ring with Undertaker. Yeah. And he throws me in the ring. And I'm audibly saying out loud, I'm so sorry. I I was sleeping. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) We get to the back and, and Taker comes up. He goes, what happened? I go, I was sleeping. <laughs> and he goes, what? I go, I was sleeping. <laughs> and he just walks away. And everyone's laughing about it because, I mean, Kali, Big Daddy V, Taker, mm-hmm. Batista, K, big guys. Yeah, it's the loudest guys in the world. Wrestling above me. And I was just passed out from sleep deprivation. <laughs> from sleep deprivation. Yeah. You see, yeah. like, like when you tell that story, I think of, of, like, times when I have to wake up suddenly. Even if it's just, like, I fall asleep on the couch and my wife wakes me up and she's like, Sam, you got to go to bed. And, like, I wake up and I'm surprised. And I'm like, huh? What? What? I yeah. can't imagine waking up suddenly and there's Fit Finley saying, let's go. And you have to get in the ring with The Undertaker right now. And you're like, I don't even remember where I am. I don't know what day it is today. I just knew I had to say I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all that was going through my head at the time is, oh, no. Yeah. That's how you know you have good instincts. That like I'm sorry is the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. <laughs> hey, before we move on, I want to talk to you guys about a service that could help you should you need it. If you've got anything that's interfering with your happiness, if you've got something preventing you from achieving your goals, if you've got 
anxiety that you don't know how to deal with. There's just something that is, is bothering you. Something that you wake up with every morning that is stopping you from being the person that you want to be. BetterHelp may be able to assess those needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 24 hours. I'm not talking about a crisis line. I'm not talking about self-help. I'm talking about professional counseling that's done securely and online. Look, dealing with mental health is a very stressful process and it's really complicated. It's tough to do. And sometimes the last thing you need when you're dealing with what you're dealing with is more stress. BetterHelp makes it easy to get through those first steps. BetterHelp makes it easy to find people that specialize in whatever it is that you need help with. Some of you might live in parts of the world where it's difficult to find people that specialize in what you need help with. That's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp is available for clients anywhere in the world. You can log into your account anytime and you can send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling is and they make financial aid available to those who need it. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can see for yourself on their website and read their testimonials that people post every day, okay? Over 500,000 people have used BetterHelp to take charge of their mental health. You can see what they think of it if you go right now to betterhelp.com slash notsam. That's betterhelp.com slash notsam. And a special offer for you guys, you can get 10% off your first month. So if it sounds like something that you might have been looking for, try it, get 10% off, see if it's for you. Betterhelp.com slash notsam. And now we get back to the show. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here we go, everybody. State of Wrestling time for Not Sam Wrestling. You know how we handle things here on the State of Wrestling. We break down the top five stories of the week. According to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, and we break them down for you. Now, this is, of course, the last uh, State of Wrestling on the traditional Thursday release podcast um, going forward. Uh, we will have an abridged version of the State of Wrestling coming out every Monday morning when Not Sam Wrestling officially drops. So this is episode 257, I think. Episode 258 is coming out in a few days. It'll be out on Monday. And then a week from today, later on in the day, towards the afternoon, is when the Not Sam Thursday edition drops. And that will be all coverage of everything topical in the world of wrestling. So that's a story for State of Wrestling. We covered it at the, at the beginning of the show, but just a reminder, uh, on Monday... Starting this Monday, we will do an interview and we will cover everything that went down in the world of wrestling uh, starting with Friday and then going into Saturday, Sunday. So SmackDown and any pay-per-views over the weekend, be it WWE, AEW, that will be covered along with the interview as well as the Raw, SmackDown, NXT preview stuff. Then every Thursday afternoon, Another podcast will drop, no interview, exclusively covering any wrestling news that's broken in the week, as well as Raw, AEW, NXT, and whatever else is going on. 
so there you have it. Uh, but this week, we're we're sticking to the original format. We're going over the top five stories of the week, according to yours truly. And uh, here's what I'm thinking for story number five is uh, the internet, especially the Canadian internet, going crazy with Lacey Evans. Um, you know, I, I'm going to combine this into two stories. Story five and four, by design, I guess. Both revolve around the internet. And I think for story number five, it's going to go beyond Lacey Evans and more into the general kind of outside opinion of wrestling and kind of how it's affected on social media. Because it's really weird. You know, when we talk about social media and it comes up in the interviews that I do or we talk about it here in the state of wrestling, we're generally talking about wrestling social media, wrestling Twitter, and and the drama that unfolds there. You know, whether it's drama between uh, wrestling website journalist types, whether it's drama between wrestlers themselves, whether it's drama between fans, you know, all that stuff. But what we don't cover too often is the way the outside Twitter world reacts to wrestling Twitter. And it's really interesting. I guess I'll start, I guess I'll start with Lacey Evans because that's where we began. Lacey Evans posted a, a, a video, which I thought was genius. She posted it on her social media account. Uh, She was in Canada. She had gotten pulled over. It looked like by a legit Canadian police officer. And she pulled a, do you know who I am? Which is like, I mean, it's bad guy 101. Remember when Reese Witherspoon was, seemed like she might be slightly intoxicated and she pulled a, do you know who I am? People hated her. And she's America's sweetheart. If that line will make you hate Reese Witherspoon, imagine what it would make you do to Lacey Evans. So she pulls a, do you know who I am? She calls the cop a nasty. She snatches the ticket out of his hand, and she talks about how much she hates Canada, how much Canada sucks. I looked at it. I said, this is bad guy wrestling 101, and it is a perfect use of social media for a superstar, WWE or otherwise, professional wrestler, because... It carries the character over into social media. Now, it's odd to me because I feel like every time I bring up, you know, I I live in that non-wrestling world. I do a radio show for a living that's not a wrestling show. So I hear from the people that don't like wrestling every day. And I don't have a problem with that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm well aware that if you like wrestling, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But still in 2019... You have people going like, well, don't you, you know, it's fake. This is, this is dumb. It's fake. It's, it's, you know, it's for kids. It's this, it's that. Right. And like, when I talk about wrestling, it's like, I can't believe Sam talks about wrestling. Like it's real, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going like, you know, clearly you guys don't understand because if I was going to have a conversation about Breaking Bad or the Sopranos or Veep or, or Game of Thrones or any of those TV shows, nobody would like stop to go like, those weren't even real dragons. They were CGI. You know what I mean? You just go, like, when you look at the Emmy Awards, nobody goes, why would you give an award? They're faking, you know? When you go see It Chapter 2 in theaters, you don't go, like, that's not a clown. That's a Skarsgård in makeup. You go, like, oh, that's what this is. So, you know, it's weird, though, because to me, it's like wrestling fans know what wrestling is, and the people who say wrestling fans are stupid are the ones that they don't know what wrestling is and they don't understand that we know what wrestling is. 
and we know what we're watching. And quite frankly, that's why we're watching it. You know, if I wanted, you know, to see who would win in this competition, I'd be watching UFC every week. Right now, I'm good for maybe two UFC pay-per-views a year because I don't care, generally speaking. Unless you can sell me on a great story going into a UFC card, I don't care who's actually better. I care about who's telling the better story. That's what I like. That's my form of entertainment, you know, and I don't I don't mind when people go like, I don't like wrestling because I, you know, I really only watch sports anyway. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Some people like wrestling and sports. That makes perfect sense too because a lot of people like sports and they like movies. You know what I mean? Sometimes people like uh, baseball and music. Look at that. Two things. They, they like them both. Who would have thought? Um, but it was unbelievable how many non-wrestling people were sitting there going like, dropping C-bombs. Oh, this woman is awful. Oh, this woman is terrible. How can this woman treat a, a, a man of the law like this? How can this woman insult an entire country? This woman, oh, she is, let's cancel her. Let's cancel Lacey Evans. Her name isn't even Lacey Evans, man. What are you talking about? You're sitting there and you're watching people get so worked up that aren't wrestling fans get so worked up that this woman disrespected an officer of the law. Hey, idiot. That was the intention for you to get upset. And like, it's one thing if you're like, I know the intention was for me to get upset and I got upset. Then it's like, okay, then it's working. But if you're going like, oh, this woman, just a civilian woman put out this video to try to humiliate this officer and she's a bad person. I mean, you're the one who I need to sit down and explain wrestling to. So insane, insane how many people were reacting to it. I mean, to the point, and people were disappointed, I saw. Or like wrestling fans, including myself, were disappointed that Lacey had to post a thing on social media going, I'm portraying a character. Like, what is wrong with you guys? But the reality is, she had to. Because this world that we live in, we, I mean, they were ready to, to get the pitchforks out. To burn her at the stake. Going like, what, guys, what are you doing? Like, it be like if you went up to De Niro and you, like, you know, tried to charge him because he associates with known gangsters. Well, it's like, I'm not Henry Hill. I'm Robert De Niro. I played a Henry Hill in a movie. I also don't drive a taxi. You know, and then at the same time, you know, it's really interesting because uh, there were a couple clips of of WWE guys uh, on sports things. I think it was Rey Mysterio. I think Rey Mysterio was at a football game and Braun Strowman at a baseball game. And yeah, Keith Olbermann making some like smart ass tweet about Braun Strowman at a baseball game that was just like, really, really, really. Where it's like, hey, Dick, like, you know what I mean? Like, the, like the implication was like one of these, you know, ridiculous phony wrestlers at a baseball game. Really, you're gonna you're gonna disrespect the game of baseball with one of these pro wrestler types? What are you guys thinking? Hey, stupid! You're a sports commentator that started doing a news show. You don't think people were going around going like? Why would a guy, what, what would a guy who talks about sports all day know about the news? Why would we trust him with that? He talks about dumb sports all day. 
You know what I mean? And I'm like, it's just weird to me because if you, he must be aware. Keith Oberman must be aware of that that sort of uh, prejudice, at least at first, where people go like, why would we listen to you talk about the news? All you do, all you know is sports because that's all they've seen him do. So when he turns around and like displays the same type of thing about somebody else, it's always so weird to me that like you know what you this is. Like you can't be that one dimensional of a person. And then the thing that was really weird was like the uh, Fox, I don't know if they were baseball or football commentators. I don't know. Whatever game Rey Mysterio was at and they called him Nacho Libre. Um, like you almost want to be like, I, I just, I don't understand. I guess that some of these sports commentators just aren't familiar, don't have a business sense. They're just there to talk about sports. Like they don't think to themselves like, oh, this Rey Mysterio character, whether I know him or not, or this wrestler in general, whether I take wrestling seriously or not, clearly Fox, the network that I'm on, and Keith Oberman's not on Fox, I don't think, but the other guy is, the network that I'm on is investing a lot of money in pro wrestling. So you would think that they would turn around and be like, oh, I need to make them look good. Like on the other hand, WWE has like athletes in the audience and they're like, hey, look who's here, the 49ers. And they have like Kayla interview them backstage for a digital thing and everything. Like, I don't, I don't even understand. Like you even just to make it seem like, how could you be so full of yourself that you don't think it's a good idea to make a famous person watching your game seem high profile, right? Like the WWE, when there's a celebrity or an athlete in the audience, they show them and they hype them up. Because the WWE is aware that if somebody is watching, if, if you try to get across to your viewer that this person who's interested in your product in the audience is a very, very important person, all of a sudden your product is going to feel more important to the people watching. So you would think that whether you like wrestling or not, you would see Rey Mysterio, one of the most famous wrestlers of all time, sitting in the audience and go like, oh, this is a big deal. Somebody from outside of our world who's very famous is interested in our game. Let's open up the world instead of being like, let's just, you know, stay closed off. It's just really weird, you know? I guess it'll always be that way. It doesn't really bother me. Like, I don't really spend that much time thinking about it. It's just odd to me that after all these years, this is still a conversation that's happening. You know what I mean? It's it's dumb. Um, speaking of social media, story number four is... Uh, Kenny Omega, uh, he shocked the world. He made everybody talk uh, uh, over the week with what he said about uh, NXT. Uh, here's what he said. I'm going to war with these dudes that if we were on the same show together, you know, the same show, in the same promotion, let's pretend there were no wars. Let's pretend there were, there were... First of all, you know, Kenny, if you're going to be a big star, don't do interviews in a diner with no microphones and what sounds like music playing in the background because the audio quality is terrible. The same promotion. Let's pretend there were no wars. Let's pretend there were, there were no promotions. Let's just pretend there was one big promotion. If these guys were on the same show as me, they'd be in the dark match. They'd be in the opening match of my main event match. You're going to call that a war? You're going to call that competition? Go ahead. I mean, maybe it's fun for you to do. That's cool. But we're, we're different planets. And you're going to see that right away when you see 10,000 plus arenas sold out. You're going to see smiles on fans' faces. And when you're going to see 
real stars, not developmental talent, but real stars appearing in your television sets everywhere. So that's Kenny Omega talking about NXT, and he went uh, a little bit further, I think, on being the elite this week. Um, people were upset about it, I guess. Uh, and, you know, I guess that's what they're supposed to be. I wasn't, you know. I think uh, people taking shots is great. Why not be the Rebel promotion? You know, when I was a kid and WWE started saying, don't watch WCW, it's a bunch of old fogies. It's our washed-up has-beens. I was like, yeah, screw WCW. I'm watching WWE. You know, I think the only, uh, positioning your product when you've got NXT head-to-head. -head. You know, WWE did a great job. Because realistically, NXT is AEW's competition. It's not WWE, at least yet. WWE, AEW and WWE are not in the same ballpark. Yet. AEW could easily get there. But, you know, WWE is a, a billion-dollar company with multiple brands, a global reach, and, you know, decades of, of foundation built, right? And AEW is just a promotion with EGADs of potential. So, you know, you can't just jump on the scene and immediately... I, I think that AEW has to prove themselves... They have to outclass NXT before they can be in the conversation to outclass WWE. Could that happen? Sure, of course. But that I think the NXT hurdle has to be jumped first if it's going to be jumped. Now, NXT has put themselves in a unique position by going live on USA every week where, theoretically, NXT... Theoretically... It's going to be tough because obviously Raw and SmackDown are the shows that have all the stars and that's always going to garner viewers. But NXT over time could become one of, if not the top wrestling brand on television, if it's popular enough. Now, last week, I think it did like uh, 1.2 million views, which is really good, not shock the world good, but also not, oh, this was a mistake bad. It was just, it's good. It's a, it's a really good number of people watching that show. I think it was like fourth place in the demo or something like that. I don't pay that much attention to the ratings because I'm not much of a numbers guy. But um, I do think that realistically that's the first competition for AEW. And AEW is probably the first competition for NXT. And I think that that's not... And I don't mean to cast NXT in the light of it being a, a hurdle to jump over because I think there's a very good possibility maybe AEW doesn't jump the hurdle. I mean, I, I really think NXT right now is the best wrestling brand. It's my favorite wrestling brand in the world. So... You know, I, I, I'm just trying to explain why I think that they're the competition for AEW. Um, but, you know, I think Kenny Omega playing into this idea that he is the best in the world, being cocky about it, doing it in interviews, and then on being the elite, living the character, and kind of not only did he make that comment, but then uh, Dominic uh, Dijakovic responded by saying he and Keith Lee... Uh, mopped the floor with Kenny Omega's match at, you know, at a local show and Kenny Omega made fun of him completely and called him Dominic Dickhead or something like that. I thought that was great too. You know, let Kenny call everybody out. I'm good with people calling people out. But I also think people should keep the same energy. You know, I think that this is, if you check on how I felt about Seth Rollins uh, calling people out and saying they had the best wrestlers in the world, I was all for it. I don't care if you trash the competition. I mean, this isn't, you know, sitting here making insults about people's families. You, you don't have to play nice when it comes to wrestling. You can sit there and go, I'm the best, and that means I'm better than X, Y, and Z. Prove me wrong. I don't mind that. I think that's awesome. 
I think that's one of the reasons we watch. Conflict is good. Every wrestling match is based on conflict, real or not. And every conflict that is based in reality in the world of wrestling ends up being the best. So, um, so I don't have a problem with it, but, and Jericho said something kind of similar a little while back, uh, where I think he called, you know, NXT, a uh, minor league developmental league, something like that, where he said that he doesn't really watch that because he, something about him. I'm very much paraphrasing. So please don't quote me, but saying that, you know, they may not be stars on NXT just yet. Um, Here's my only thing, my only hiccup in the whole argument is that I've heard people, and I think I've heard Jericho, make arguments about how you attack people and how you get heat. You know, I think Jericho's uh, thing, and I think he has a story in his book, and we talked about it a few weeks back because we talked about it in the context of the Riddle thing where they were saying, uh, some people were saying Riddle shouldn't be trashing Goldberg and saying he's old and a bad wrestler because that's not good heat, because if they do eventually have a match and uh, Riddle beats Goldberg, then all he's done is beaten an old man. And if Riddle loses to Goldberg, then he's gotten beat by an old man, which is even worse. It's a, it puts you in a no-win position, which I said at the time, I disagree with that. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that just because a bad guy insults the person they're competing against that doesn't mean the audience is like, okay, that's true then. You know, just because somebody goes like, he's old and a bad wrestler, doesn't mean the audience turns around and goes, okay, I got it, he's old and a bad wrestler. The audience then goes, okay, that person thinks that the other person is old and a bad wrestler. Let's see if they actually are. So I think that anybody that buys into that philosophy that you shouldn't make comments like that that's going to put you in a position where if you win – it's not that big of an accomplishment, and if you lose, it's a terror. It's a way worse defeat. If you believe that, then you shouldn't be treating NXT like it's you know dirt beneath your shoe, because number one, you're going to build sympathy for NXT, and number two, you run into the same situation. Let's see AEW beats NXT. Nobody's going to sit there and say that's an accomplishment if they believe Kenny Omega. Because they're going to say, okay, like Kenny Omega beat the people that he said would be doing dark matches for him. So that that's not like you can't wear that as a championship. It's just a, it's a given. You know, it's like Braun Strowman beating local talent. And God forbid NXT beats you in the ratings in any kind of consistent way. Then it's like, okay, this group of people that you said is jabronis, is, you know, curtain jerkers, is dark match workers. They just beat you. So that completely wipes out your credibility. Now, again, I'm just presenting that as an argument as to say why people who believe in one thing shouldn't be doing this. But if you're like me and believe that all is fair in love and war, and I've always been that person, man, when, when characters in WWE have brought up very, very personal stuff, I go, awesome, let's do it. LFG, let's effing go. Let's, let's go for it. I've always been okay with it. But if you're not okay with some of it, you can't really be okay with any of it. You know what I mean? But in the meantime, you know, I think competition has already been good for everybody involved. And I hope that everybody keeps taking as many shots as they possibly can. Because it's entertaining and because it's making, it's making everybody produce statements that they're going to have to back up. Which I love. 
Story number three is SmackDown. Uh, you know, speaking of people upping their game and all that stuff, uh, WWE is definitely doing that. We'll talk about that later here in State of Wrestling. But uh, I guess SmackDown was technically about three stories. You know, the Sasha versus Becky story. I think they're doing a really good job telling that story. And that story is definitely uh, expanding over both brands. Uh, so that's why I didn't really consider it just a SmackDown story because it was on Raw as well. Uh, but um, I think that uh, SmackDown was really about uh, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan, Luke Harper, and it was about Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens. Um, number one, uh, I... As I said in the beginning of the show, you heard that here first. Uh, Scoops Roberts let you know that that tag match was going to happen um, at uh, 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 at Hell in a Cell. Roman Daniel, uh, Rowan Harper. Now, as I'm watching SmackDown this week and I watched the match between Daniel Bryan and uh, Eric Rowan, uh, I, I was I thought that okay, they they're doing a really good job of building up Eric Rowan. The promo thing, you know, you always hear about words and phrases that Vince McMahon has banned. You know, you don't call it a belt. You call it a championship. You don't say this. You say that. You don't say that. You say this. Blah, blah, blah. If I were running that show, any show, if I were running a wrestling promotion, I would get everybody together. I would send out a group email, whatever I had to do to make sure that everybody was there. And I would say, never, ever, in a promo, use the phrase, you see. Never say you see. Don't say it. It drives me crazy when I hear you see in a promo. It is wrestling promo 101. It is not the way normal people talk. It is not the way people who are angry at somebody talk. It never comes up in actual conversation. In any conversation, you will never hear a person go, you see... But it still comes up. And the reason I say this is because Eric Rowan dropped a you see on SmackDown. And I like where Eric Rowan's going. I like the music. I think that his, uh, the way he walks to the ring is great. I think everything's great. I, I love the stuff with Luke Harper. I'm a fan of Rowan and Harper. 100%. I think when, when Eric Rowan is talking and he's on his game, I think he's unexpectedly great. I think he talks about being uh, intellectually superior, and the way he talks, he sounds like a smart guy. He sounds like he's got intellect. I love it. I think he's doing a really good job. However, he should not have said, you see, because it's like, we've heard this promo. The minute I hear you see, I go, I've heard this promo, and now you're acting like a wrestler. However, once Eric Rowan dropped the mic and got physical and Luke Harper and Roman and Brian, I, I thought hey, that was all great. And I love the match between Eric Rowan and Daniel Bryan. Um, and, you know, my only thing is I still hope that Daniel Bryan is going to turn on Roman Reigns and lead Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. But as I said last week, not really lead them because that would. So if Daniel Bryan ends up being the leader of Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, it kind of destroys the whole storyline because they've been trying to get respect and not be followers. So I think that I like, here's what I think would have. To, I think what should happen is Daniel Bryan turns on Roman Reigns. Daniel Bryan joins Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. 
Luke Harper, Eric Rowe, and Daniel Bryan are a team together. They're a collective. There's no leader. All three are equals. There is no leader. They're a commune. They're the colossal commune of crushers. <laughs> you know? They're a commune. Eventually, Daniel Bryan starts to assume leadership positions again. And that leads to Eric Rowan and Luke Harper catching wind of what Daniel Bryan's doing and eventually has Luke Harper and Eric Rowan turning good guy against a bad guy, Daniel Bryan. Because I think right now, Daniel Bryan is a better bad guy than a good guy. And I think that because I don't think Daniel Bryan as a good guy is, is going to ever be the guy right now. I think when you're looking at a roster and who you've got, whether it's Roman Reigns, whether it's Seth Rollins, whether it's any of these guys, you know, I don't think Daniel Bryan is on the docket for being a good guy world champion. But we've already seen him as a bad guy world champion. I think he's better as a bad guy right now. Um, and so that's what eventually I would like to see is Bryan join the two of them and then Harper and Rowan turn on Bryan, thus making them good guys um, because they were justified in turning on him. However, when I was watching the match between Bryan and Rowan, I thought that the turn would have gone a little bit more according to my plan if it was just like a passion of the Daniel Bryan where Rowan just kicked the crap out of him. But, you know, the whole idea that Daniel Bryan got some offense in and got the crowd behind him and didn't actually do the yes thing but got people saying yes again, like he's making people believe. He is making people believe. So that to me makes me feel like the turn is going to be even more severe because the fans are going to get back behind him and he's going to turn him again. So I hope that that's what happens. And then you've got Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens um, with the other story of SmackDown. And while, you know, it is high time that that storyline come to a close, I think a ladder match with career, a career ending ladder match is a pretty sweet way to let it go. You know what I mean? Like when they both came out to the ring at the end of the show, I was like, okay, where are we going with this? Like, Let's get some finality here. And what I got was some real finality. It's going down, and it's going down on SmackDown a week from Friday. It's going down on the first SmackDown on Fox, which is already loaded. So uh, I actually like that that's how it's ending, and that's where it's going. Uh, I do think Kevin Owens will win, and I think Shane McMahon will go off TV for a while. And, you know, I think that, that extending this story for as long as they did is going to make people even happier for Kevin Owens when he finally wins. Um... Because I don't think in this post-GM world, I don't know what role Shane McMahon has on television right now. And I think eventually when Shane comes back, maybe at WrestleMania, people will be very excited and ready for another Shane-O stunt. I hope he's not gone forever. Because, you know, people might be a little bit tired of seeing Shane on TV now. But he's such a good performer, dude. So I, I hope that Shane loses and he goes off TV for a while. But I hope he comes back for like WrestleMania or something in a few months and gives us something special because I think it could be really cool. Um, story number two this week is Monday Night Raw. Now, we will talk about Becky and Sasha and some of these other matches uh, as we get closer to Hell in a Cell next week. So a week from today, next Thursday on the uh, secondary uh, Not Sam Wrestling podcast, we'll probably run down all of Hell in a Cell because that will be previewing into the weekend. But... Uh, so, and that's probably where we'll do more talk about Sasha and Becky. But I have been enjoying Sasha and Becky. Um, 
And, you know, I think they're giving a real reason for being for that match. You know, I think if you watch the shows, so like when people heard that Paul Heyman was taking over, um, I think people expected it to just turn into the Attitude Era or something. And I think the reason they thought that was because the first Monday Night Raw, after it was announced that Paul Heyman was taking over, Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley fell through the set. It looked realistic. And Corey Graves said, holy shit, on TV. And it's like, okay, Paul Heyman's back. And you thought it was going to get edgier, edgier, edgier. But I think that the evidence that Paul Heyman is back is maybe there is some of the, some of the edge, you know, the baby daddy storyline for sure. And I don't know exactly where that's going. But I think that uh, I think that when you look at the way super, certain superstars are being treated and the way, well, the way certain superstars are being treated, you can clearly see that there are fresh hands on this thing. I mean, think about Bobby Roode. You know, first of all, Raw was very wrestling heavy. Lots of good matches on Raw this week. Um, and when you look at Bobby Roode, Bobby Roode very quickly went from somebody that had no position on television. He was wrestling on main event with no storyline. You know, he was not on Raw. Bobby Roode was in the chase for the 24-7 title. He was just in the mix of people running after R-Truth. And now, within the last few weeks... And, you know, if it's Paul Heyman, then Paul Heyman's the one. But whoever's the one behind this is doing such a good job of subtly building people to the point where it makes sense that they're in the positions that they're in. They did it masterfully with Cedric Alexander. Now they're doing it with Bobby Roode in the sense that within the last few weeks, he's won the tag team championship. He's pinned Seth Rollins clean and he's pinned AJ Styles clean. Automatic credibility. There you go. Bobby Roode just went from wrestling on main event to wrestling in main events. Is that a movie poster quote or what? And that's because of the way it's being positioned. And that's because I think there's a, a new set of hands on this thing going, Bobby Roode is one of the guys that I want to highlight. I think that uh, Paul Heyman or whoever's decision this is, you know, who knows because I'm not there, is also doing a great job of taking important people off TV when there's not something important for them to do. And you could sit there and go like, why aren't they using this guy? Why aren't they using that guy? It's because the top storyline is occupied right now. And there's no reason to show somebody on TV if they're just in a holding pattern. You know, taking Baron Corbin off TV for a month or so after he was in every segment and, you know, they really didn't have anything for him immediately because they were moving Seth Rollins on to somebody else, I thought was brilliant. And they, that's why I was like clear. That's one of the reasons why I said clearly the King of the Ring is built for Baron Corbin is because he disappeared from TV for a month only to come back with no explanation in time for the King of the Ring. I said, obviously, that's why he's back on TV because they were like, oh, we can make you the King of the Ring. That's something new for you. You know, I think now that's happening with Drew McIntyre. And I think that that's a good thing. You know, take Drew off TV for a while. Take him off. Let people miss him. And then when he comes back, have something interesting and relevant for him to do. And I think that's what they're doing. And I think, uh, I think uh, they're doing a good job building new people that way. Uh, it's been all the Fiend all the time. Uh, it was a Fiend-heavy episode again this week. And I think that, again, it's very, very smart. You know, when you... We haven't seen this type of show being done. It's very subtle, I think. I don't even know if people are really picking up on it. But... Last month, for example, the pay-per-view 
was Braun and Seth defending the tag titles and then Braun and Seth facing each other in the main event. So leading up to that pay-per-view, the four episodes of Raw, it was all about Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins, right? Immediately, immediately when that pay-per-view ended, 24 hours after that, no, not even 24 hours, the pay-per-view hadn't even ended. Immediately when that match between Seth and Braun was over, it became about Seth and The Fiend with The Fiend laying out Seth immediately following that match. And since The Fiend laid out Seth, it's been all about The Fiend and what is Seth going to do against this guy. And I think that that is absolutely brilliant because before that pay-per-view, before Clash of Champions, when The Fiend laid out Seth Rollins, it was like, well, it's cool that The Fiend is getting the Universal title, but he's really only had one match. He hasn't done that much yet. Oh, really? Give us four weeks and he'll do everything. 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 You remember I was on the podcast saying that hopefully he lays out Stone Cold and that'll put him in the position to be a true main event guy. Well, it would have, but you know what else would have? Highlighting him in multiple segments every week looking like the strongest person on the roster. He is so strong that he's taken over the production value of Monday Night Raw. It's incredible. Having him lay out Braun Strowman, even after Braun Strowman had the movie monster comeback and it wasn't enough to take out The Fiend, I thought it was genius. We are looking at The Fiend going, I know that in every horror movie the monster loses, but I think this is one where the bad guy wins. I saw criticism on the internet, actually. I saw criticism going, well... If you end Raw with The Fiend laying out Braun Strowman definitively and Seth Rollins is just, it's another week of Raw where Seth Rollins is ending scared in the corner while The Fiend scares him down. How are we ever supposed to believe that Seth Rollins can beat The Fiend? That's dumb. How are we ever supposed to believe that Seth Rollins can beat The Fiend? Yeah, exactly. That's the point you are taking a character that was so horribly damaged like Bray Wyatt where you wouldn't believe he'd win anything by the end of that Bray Wyatt run the eater of worlds how about I'm the eater of popcorn when Bray Wyatt comes out it was terrible it got really bad and Bray Wyatt was one of my favorites when he first came in but at the end of the thing the character had been too damaged and he was not credible anymore they have moved Bray Wyatt into position, and Bray has done this himself too. That Wyndham Rotunda is just a, a performer on the next level, and this is why I loved him so much when he first came in and why I still love him to this day. It's because Bray and the powers that be are telling a story where you have forgotten the history of Bray Wyatt, and you are looking at somebody who Seth Rollins can't beat, okay? Do you understand how effective this storytelling is, we watched one pay-per-view ago, we watched Seth Rollins beat Braun Strowman clean. We have watched, over the course of the summer, Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman completely clean. It's the most recent time he beat Brock Lesnar. No low blow, no, no nothing. Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar are two of the most unbeatable people on the roster, and Seth Rollins beat them both clean. How can we now convince you 
that Seth Rollins has an opponent that he can't beat. Once he beats Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, he can beat anybody, right? Wrong. He's now dealing with The Fiend, and he has no idea how to stop him. The Fiend just took out Braun Strowman. Definitively. It's the best thing he could have done. The best. You know? There's no reason to walk into that pay-per-view thinking, oh, I don't know if Braun Strowman, if, if Bra- I don't know if Bray Wyatt can win. Well, then what are we watching for? What the hell are you watching that for? I don't know if Bray Wyatt can win this one. That's not, it's, he's the challenger. He's not a, he's not a, a little engine that could, uh, 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 underdog. Seth Rollins is the good guy. Seth Rollins has to be made into the underdog. And how do you make him into the underdog? Have Bray Wyatt destroy everything that breathes and have Seth Rollins clearly terrified of him. I thought it was perfect. I thought it got the character over even more. I I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really well done. And story number one is uh, what next week is going to hold for us wrestling fans. Now, again, we'll have a podcast Monday. It'll uh, include the second half of our Hornswoggle interview um, as well as, you know, a preview of what's to come. But, you know, man, WWE is going full force. And I tell you, I think AEW has to go, in the next few days, has to go double time on their promotion. Because otherwise they're in danger of becoming story number two. And they shouldn't be. You know, a couple of months ago, over the summer, you would have said that the week of October 2nd, all anybody's going to be talking about is AEW. But that's not true as of this recording. Every people are talking about AEW. Don't get me wrong, but there's just as many. AEW is only part of the conversation. AEW is not taking over the conversation, and I think AEW has to take over the conversation. The conversation it does include AEW, and they're building a very strong card. Okay, previously all they had announced was Cody versus uh, Sammy Guevara on their first TV show, but. They up the ante. They've announced John Moxley is going to be in the ring, and they announced, and this is huge, Hangman Page versus Pac, which is the match that was supposed to headline their first pay-per-view. So, you know, that's a big match, Hangman Page versus Pac. Clearly, they're going like, okay, we need to we need to bring out some heavy artillery for the first show on TNT, Dynamite. And I think that that's a very good idea. I think that they're right that they do have to bring out some heavy artillery, and I think that Heyman Page versus Pac is heavy artillery. But look at what WWE is unleashing that week, okay? Not even talking about Hell in a Cell that's on Sunday. This is the go-home week for Hell in a Cell. They're calling it season premiere week. Over on Raw, you've got the Raw season premiere where you've got uh, uh, Seth versus Rey Mysterio. Universal title on the line. Huge. Plus... We've already seen there's a new logo. We've got the whole new look of what Raw is. That's going to kick off the week. 48 hours later, you've got NXT. you got Shayna Baszler versus Candice LeRae. Undisputed Era versus Street Profits. I mean, that show, and I'm assuming that when we find out this week what else is going on, that show is going to be insane loaded. It's going to be basically a takeover-worthy show. And it's going to be the first show that's two hours live on USA which is a big deal, and it's a big difference between splitting the show across USA and the WWE Network. Then you've got SmackDown on Fox, and this is what we know over SmackDown. Oh, yeah, and I forgot. 
On Raw, you got Miz TV with Hogan and Flair on it. So you can't even compete with WWE on a level of bringing in legends. Because Hogan and Flair on Miz TV is as big as it gets. You know? Then you go to SmackDown. First SmackDown on, on Fox. And you've got the four horsewomen of NXT. Sasha Banks and Bayley versus Charlotte and Becky. Which, yes, we've seen the match before. But people are excited about that match. You've got a ladder match between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. Career versus career. Which is going to be sick. Like... I was so happy when they announced it was a ladder match because think about what Shane McMahon is capable of in terms of just stealing the show entirely and doing something that people will never forget. And go back to ladder matches with Kevin Owens. You can go back as far as NXT TakeOver with Finn Balor if you want, or you can go back a little further. And you can think about the ladder matches that Kevin Owens had with Generico at Ring of Honor. I was sitting in the Hammerstein Ballroom for the last one. Trust me when I tell you, the Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon ladder match is going to bring down the house. Then, you got Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar, universal title. Everybody's going to be tuned into that, and I'm going to tell you something. There's no universal title match, and no, I'm sorry, WWE title. There's no WWE title match announced for Hell in a Cell. Kofi doesn't have a Hell in a Cell opponent. You know why? Here's a scoop. Sam Roberts, hack wrestling journalist, is back at it. Scoop, you heard it here first. Brock Lesnar's winning the WWE Championship on SmackDown. On the first SmackDown on Fox, Brock's winning the title from Kofi. He's destroying the dream. It's going to be amazing. Kofi's hopefully going to get it back from Brock eventually. But it's going to be amazing. That's the, I mean, next week is going to be the best week for wrestling programming, and I'll include Sunday in that, okay? Let's go Monday to Sunday. Instead of Sunday to Saturday, let's go Monday to Sunday. So starting with Raw, ending with Hell in a Cell. Oh, my God. What have we done to deserve this as wrestling fans? What have we done to deserve this? And who knows what the best show is going to be, but it's going to be all anybody's thinking about. And everybody that writes those shows and everybody that performs on those shows is aware of that. And everybody that does those shows wants to know that theirs is the best. Whose is going to be the best? Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite. Any one of those four could be the best. And we'll talk about which one is the best here on Not Sam Wrestling a week from Monday. That's the only time that we'll know. That's the only time all those shows will be over is a week from Monday. But I can't wait to watch them all. And then, you know, wait till November and uh, Impact is throwing its name in the fold. Just, just in case you were like, oh, what am I going to do on Tuesdays? Impact is here. So Thursday nights are going to be your only night off of wrestling because Impact on Access is airing like I think 8 p.m. on Tuesdays. So there you go. It's a time, baby. It's a time. Thank you for being here on Not Sam Wrestling. Love you all. We will see you on Monday. Next episode of Not Sam Wrestling which is Not Sam Wrestling, episode 258, will come out Monday morning, everywhere you get your podcast. So subscribe, be there Monday morning, second part of Hornswoggle, and uh, we'll be talking about uh, everything that breaks and everything that's going to be breaking uh, right then. We'll see you all then. Love you. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.